0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to see y'all this morning. Good to be with you. We are in the book of Genesis and we're in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2 starting with verse 15. And we're going to cover a few verses this morning, uh, verses I actually think are of critical importance, especially when, when God's dealing with what's going on with with, with Scripture and the things that, that happen long after these verses take place. What God says to Adam at the garden and what's going on there, they just, they just take take the cake. They're so important for the rest of what the Word of God has to say and the rest of the plan of God in the world and it's important that you see that you know that and then and also talk a little bit it's important that we talk a little bit of uh, just uh uh interpretation of scripture and how you define words in the bible he says it says in genesis chapter 2 verse 15 it says, then the Lord God. Remember, Lord God is Jehovah God, which is Jesus. He's the He's God manifest in the flesh. He's God at work in the world. Remember, the Father is the will of God, and the Holy Spirit's the power of God. And there are far more than that, but just in general, when we're talking about these things, that's how it kind of plays out. When you're reading when you're reading the Word of God, you know that the Father is the will, the heart of the Son is the manifestation of God, how God works in the world, and then the Holy Spirit's the power, the presence, the 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 eternal power of God working all around us. So it says, Then the Lord God took the man, took the man from where he'd made him, and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. All right? So in the land of Eden, where God had planted a garden, god took adam and he placed him in that garden and uh, placed him in that garden to to keep it to take care of it to to have dominion over it and uh, he's teaching man man how to do that he's teaching man how to power and control over it he said so so when it says there he put him in there in eden to tend it and to keep it actually that word for tend right there means to cultivate or to grow And uh, and it is a it's it's it means that uh, you have the power and the ability to do it, and uh, the word for keep actually has actually has somewhat of a connotation of worship, and uh, and when you say when I say it has the connotation of worship, I'm not talking about worshiping the garden. What I'm talking about is it has the idea of that we are acting in a certain way when we glorify God. Basically, it has the idea of we glorify God with what we did and adam was made to madam was made to have dominion over what god had created and he was made to to worship or glorify god in what he was doing and so that word there for keep that word there for keep has the idea of maintaining it so that all can see who god is it's a act of worship and so many times we as believers in 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 our modern context, think worship is an event. we think worship is a is show or worship is is some kind of presentation that we do, but worship is not that worship first of all is who you were made to be. you were made to worship God, you were made to glorify his name so worship by no means is an event. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is who you are. Worship also is not something that we do once a week. Worship is something that we do each and every day. Also, what we do in corporate worship should never, ever be uh, an audience watching somebody else. It always should be that word that, that Pastor Terry loves, Tori. He loves for me to say that word because he knows that my tongue is liable to get twisted as I'm saying it, worship is participatory. What does that mean? We start out with a singing. Why? Because everybody joins in the sing. One gets an opportunity to to worship God in 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 music. And it's important that you understand that worship is you participating, you entering in with all of us together into the Holy of Holies. You enter into the presence of God. You enter into the place where he's invited his people to be. And so it is always participatory, meaning it has action involved in it. And then obviously when we get to the word, you think the preacher's the only one doing anything. I hope not. I certainly hope not, because if that's the case, then we're in a lot of trouble if it's just me, but that's not the case. Actually, you are engaging with God far more than I'm engaging with God because God is speaking to your heart. And sometimes he has to move me out of the way to speak to my heart during a sermon. And he does do that but uh, oftentimes i'm just the vessel and you are the purpose you're the whole purpose for uh, while we're doing what we're doing on sunday morning and worship is by definition participatory and it is an act it is action it is acting in fact all the old testament words for worship all of them are a word picture of some kind of act some kind of action we take something we actually do while we're worshiping and you have thrust your hands in the air you have fall on your face you have shout to the lord All these ideas of worship in the Old Testament all involve some kind of physical activity, all right? And so when God put man in the garden, he put him there to have dominion and to glorify him in his Work that he was doing in his actions of keeping it, and and so when we're together, we should be we, that we should be practicing that on as a corporate group when we meet together. In fact, today, right now, we are practicing that. I'm talking about God's word, and God is speaking to you, and you're engaging Him as you get ready this morning, or as you head to work, or as you w- watch it later on during the day. You should be engaging God what we're talking about. It shouldn't be you talking to me, you listening to me. It should be you listening to the Holy Spirit speak about God's word through me. He said, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, notice, it's not a, it's not a suggestion here. It is a commandment here. He commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Notice, he is giving him an open door. Oftentimes, we think of God, even in this situation, even at the very start of the Bible, God saying what not to do. Well, he does say what not to do, but the reason we get focused on it is because we continually want to do what we should not do. The truth is, God said, I'm opening the door for you. I'm opening the door for you, and I'm saying to you, you can eat of every tree in this garden. You can eat of every tree that's going on here. You have free reign to eat of anything you want to, except for one. I've made you, and I've made you such that all the trees that I planted in this garden are good for you to eat. They're, they're, they are consumable by you. They're made for your very best. In fact, if you eat of these trees, you're going to get the different nutrients in different places. You're going, to, you're going to get the fullness of my plan for you. He said, and that's what he says. He says, it commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden, you may freely eat. And for me personally, anytime when God says, I may freely eat, that might, I like that. I like it. It makes me happy. Brings joy to my heart. I know for many of you it's the same, but for me, it's a special thing for God to say, you may freely eat. And so he says that there. And then he says, and he says, But, he says, but, but, hold on, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. You shall not eat. Basically saying, that's got Brussels sprouts on it. Who wants to eat that? You're not supposed to eat that. I'm just joking. But the truth is, you need to understand what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. I think it's very easy just to look at it real quick. And understand, okay, the fruit of this tree is the knowledge of good and evil. It seems like it's a good thing because it starts out with knowledge. And who doesn't want knowledge? Who doesn't want to have understanding? Who doesn't want to be able to see or understand these things? The problem is that knowledge is le- is less than just the empirical Western idea of just coming up with having a thought in your mind. That's not what this is about. This is to learn, to know to become intimate with, and and it's important that you understand that man was made for the purpose of glorifying God and being his, his representation in the earth. The issue is that this right here is the knowledge of good, which is God, and then we're going to use a term that I think best describes it for the culture that we live in, and evil, which is not God. So you've got, you've got the knowledge of not only God, but you've got the knowledge of not God, meaning what God is not, the, those things that are outside of his will, those things that are opposite of who he is, those things that are at odds with the very nature of God. And understanding that God, that God did not make us to not be, to be not him. God made us to be in him, through him, and represent him. You understand that God did not make us. For evil, God did not desire for us to be knowledgeable, be intimate with, understand, and know in depth what was not him. He did not make us for that. Now, if you say, what is the knowledge of good and evil? The knowledge of good and evil is the law. Okay? If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, how do I know what's right and wrong? If I'm if I go into a state and I have a I have, I'm I'm doing certain things in that state. Let's say I'm doing business in that state and I want to hire a hundred employees. What's the first thing I need to do? The first thing I need to do in that state is I need to find out what the employment laws of that state are. I need to figure out how I am to treat, how I am to hire, how I'm to operate with my employees in that state because. Because why, if I don't, then I will be doing raw, which is the Old Testament word for evil, I'll be doing what's not right, so what do I need to do? Well, I need to go to the law. The law defines what is uh what is right and wrong, and in context of eternity in context of how God made the universe, the law describes the law describes what is good and evil, the law describes what is right and wrong and the law describes what is god and not god the law says this is what i am and this is what i am not or you are not to be god did not make man god's purposes in 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 who we are we were not made for the law we were made for his life his grace and his goodness now God knew that man would choose not God, but in the design, in the original in the original creation of man, in how God has made us for eternity. God has made us not to be intimate with what is not him, but God has made us to be intimate with what is him, what we're supposed to be in him. And he says, And the Lord God commanded the man, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat. Meaning, I'm giving you all of me that you can possibly have, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, meaning I didn't make you for that, you shall not eat. And notice, once we go through the Old Testament, we're given the law. And what is the thing that man has trouble with from then on? Once you have the knowledge of good and evil, man does not choose the good. Man chooses what? The evil. And the only thing that changes us is the grace of God, or the life that God had for us through Jesus Christ. And so he says, you shall not eat. Now, here's the key. He says, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. This is of the utmost importance. This phrase right here is you cannot get past it. Let's go through it real quick. He says, for in the day that you eat of it, the word for day, if we're gonna do, We're going to be faithful to the text and faithful to the word of God. This word is used a lot in the first, in the first five chapters of the Bible. This word is used extensively in the first five chapters of the Bible. It is used, it is used to define the days God formed the earth or the days God made the things on the earth. And so understanding that if you're going to believe that God reformed the earth, starting in verse 3 of chapter 1, in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and we do believe that, we understand that is what Scripture teaches, then this has to be one of those days. This has to be an idea of a day. Now, the idea of an, of a day is, in 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 the empirical sense of the word, is just a finite period of time. But in the scriptural idea of the word, especially what we've already seen and what we're going to see after this, in the scriptural idea of the word, it means... The word quite clearly means it was evening and morning on the first day, which means a 24-hour a time period. And we understand that day can be a shorter period of time. If I say, what are you doing today? I might be talking about from 8 o'clock till 5 o'clock. What are you doing tonight? I would be talking about from 5 o'clock to 10 or 11 o'clock, and for some people, it might be till 2 o'clock. But I am talking about a finite period of time. Same for here. I'm talking about a finite period. A finite period of time for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right. So the question is what died? Because we understand that David lived for at least a, close to a thousand years. It wasn't a thousand years, but it's 800 years after the day he ate of the fruit of that tree because he's going to do it later. He says, so, so what happened to David, to Adam? In the garden, what happened to him is he died. What died? His body obviously didn't die because we're going to later on see that he lived for, like I said, eight, nine hundred years after this event. Obviously, his body didn't die. Did his soul die? Meaning, his heart and his mind, his own personal unique intellect, his own personal unique passions. Did they die? No, they didn't die. That's not. That's not what died. All right. So, what had to die? If it's not going to be, if it's not going to be, when we went through how God created man. If it wasn't his physical body, and it wasn't his, and it wasn't his soul that died, then the only thing left to die is that spirit, that that breath of life, that spirit that was in him. And uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit can't die, so it's not the Holy Spirit that was living inside of him. It was his own personal spirit. It was on his own man spirit, his own his own human spirit. That human spirit's what died. His soul didn't die. His What made him a unique creature as far as his passions and his intellect, his mind and his emotions, they didn't die. His body didn't die. So the only thing left to die had to be something else in that creation account. And that thing was his human spirit. His human spirit died. And we understand that that when that human spirit died, he was cut off or separated from God. He no longer had communion with God. And that's what happens when you become intimate with not God. Intimacy with not God is separation from God. When he ate of the fruit of that tree, he had knowledge of that which was not God. He had intimacy with that which was not God. And God said, don't do it or you shall surely die. And uh, we're gonna find out that's exactly what happened. Notice that Eve is not even created when this is said. Eve has not even been taken from his side, or not even been made. The age-old question: whose fault was it? Who got the instruction? Who's the one that was left in charge? Who was the one who was told told to not eat of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Was it Adam or was it Eve? And the answer is: it was Adam was told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before Eve ever existed. And even though Eve come from Adam and Eve was his helpmate, it was not Eve's responsibility to ensure that no one ate of the tree of that knot of the knowledge of good and evil. It was Adam's responsibility. It was Adam's responsibility. And Adam is the one who had to tell Eve. Now I'm sure the Lord God told Eve also in the garden because we don't we're not required we're not required to go through our spouse to speak with God. Walk with them in the cool of the evening, and I'm quite sure they talked about many things, wondrous things, because their minds were not limited by their sin nature. But Adam was clearly told in the garden he was the one responsible. He was told clearly told in the garden to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think that's very interesting. Uh, There's a lot of theology in there. It's important. It's going to be of great importance as we study through the scripture over the next several months. And As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.